0: Welcome to Christ Church. The following is a homily from our Sunday morning gathering in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Enjoy. The Holy Gospel of Lord and Savior Jesus Christ according to Luke. Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear Jesus and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. All in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out from him and healed all of them. Jesus looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. For you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what our ancestors did to the false prophets. The gospel of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. In Acts chapter 17, Paul goes to the city of Athens, and he stood in front of the Aragopas and said, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went about your city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription, to an unknown God. What you therefore know as unknown, I proclaim to you. Paul then makes his proclamation about this God that uh, the, the Athenians are just saying, well, we don't know who this God is, but there's an unknown one. And Paul's like, let me tell you about him. The God who made the world and everything in it, he is the one who is Lord of heaven and earth. And he does not live in shrines that are made by human hands. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gave all mortal lives and breath in all things. From one ancestor, he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth and allotted the times of their existence, the boundaries of the places that they would live. They would search for God. They would grope for him and find him, though he indeed was not far from any one of them. For in him we, have, we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets say, for we too are his offspring. Since we are God's offsprings, we ought not to think that the deity is like gold or silver or stone or an image that has been formed by the art and imagination of mortals. While God has overlooked the times of human ignorance, now he commands all people to repent because he has fixed a day of judgment in which the world will be made righteous by one man. And he has given the assurance of this by raising him from the dead. When the Athenians heard this, and they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some said, I don't think so. Others says, we'll consider what you have to say about this. Right, it was, it was really the resurrection of the dead that caused the people to really stumble. We know that people don't come back from the dead. This is silly talk that Paul is offering. The prophet Jeremiah in today's reading sort of contrasts human wisdom, right? Our, our assurance that we know, the assurance that we are convinced, the assurance that we can, can, can come to, to belief by our own energy, our own mind, our own work, and contrasting that with the wisdom of God, of trusting in God. We think about death and resurrection in our culture. There's a couple of thoughts that we have. One comes from uh, the great Greek philosopher Plato. Maybe you read about him in high school or college. Uh, Plato thought that everything that we see is a mere shadow of the real thing that exists somewhere else. So everything that we see here is just a shadow. It's not real, but there is something in a good place where it really exists. And so our hope... Is, is that we will go from this bad place and we will go to a good place that is not here. And you think about a lot of times Christians talk about death and resurrection in this, in this way. Well, at least they're in a better place. As I read the scriptures and I proclaim the creeds, I am reminded that we are told that Jesus Christ created all things and that we are made in the image of God. So how can we call this the bad place? Shouldn't we believe that this is the good place? So religious life is not about escaping the bad place and going somewhere else. It's here and it's now. But Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand. But some people make the argument, well, that then, then all that is life is here. There's nothing more. You, you live, you die, and, you know, that's it. So while you're here, if you want to be good, be good. If you want to be bad, be bad. Just do whatever it is that you want because there's nothing beyond this life. Well, we can quickly see why this would be a slippery slope uh, to hedonism and all sorts of bad things because very rarely do I choose the good thing. The only ones I think that did were the people um, up in Portland or Seattle who went and grabbed kale from the impending f- snowstorm. Kale is the last thing I would grab. (laughs) Up there, they probably thought the green stuff was something else. So, the Christians have a different worldview about life. Like, we believe in the renewal and recreation of this world through the resurrection of Jesus. If you think about it, the first church buildings were really nothing more than mausoleums, places where the dead reside. People would gather in these church buildings where their, their ancestors had been buried, the saints that they loved within their community and prayed with them, worshiped, proclaimed that Christ is raised from the dead. Much like Um, Our columbarium back here where those who have died, or their ashes are placed here in this building. They join us, as do all, in proclaiming that Christ is raised from the dead. That Eucharist is an act of participation not only with the people who are present in this room, but those who have gone before. My grandpa Connie, who is the namesake for Conrad is somehow here present, even though I never met the man, but he's my personal hero. And this idea of whether resurrection is real and true is not um, a a small matter. I've given this example before in talking about the resurrection, but it's so good, I'm going to use it again. For those who have seen uh, the Harry Potter movies or read the book, you remember at the end of it, Harry... Um, realizes that he is the final horcrux of Voldemort the evil one and Harry realizes that he must die in order for evil to be defeated and so Harry willingly allows himself to be killed so that he can rise again. Hagrid comes carrying Harry's lifeless body back to Hogwarts and Neville Longbottom comes out and says hey it doesn't really matter. Because as long as Harry lives inside of us, as long as we have accepted Harry into our heart as our savior, then we will live, it's okay, that's all we need. Now, Neville then goes and tries to grab the sword of Gryffindor and fight uh, evil on his own, and he quickly realizes he can't do it. He needed somebody outside of himself, he needed Harry. So Harry jumps out of Hagrid's life, comes back to life, and he Defeats Voldemort. Likewise, sin and death is something that has to be overcome or defeated. We hear Paul write this in Romans 5. The wages of sin is death. And through sin, death has come into the world. So in 1 Corinthians 15, which Paul is writing. It is about the undoing of the spiritual catastrophe of sin and death. And how we are raised to new life. But it is not something that comes from Within us. If you go and you look at the front cover of your bulletin, you see an icon from the Eastern Orthodox Church. And Eastern Orthodox iconography is especially attentive to this aspect of Christian hope. Ben Myers writes In Orthodoxy, the icon of the resurrection portrays a glorified Christ standing over the broken doors of hell. Beneath his feet, the chains and locks that have uh, held the dead are all broken. The doors of hell have become unhinged. The grave has been emptied. An old man and an old woman are depicted on either side of Christ. They are Adam and Eve. Christ has seized them by the wrist, raised them up from the shadowy underworld. Jesus descends into hell in this image because that is where the dead have fallen. The 14th century English writer Julian of Norwich says it like this. For Jesus is all who shall be saved, and all who shall be saved are Jesus. Whether the resurrection happened or not is not a small matter. Comedian Jim Gafkin says, I need to believe that there's something that, forgive, that can forgive me. That's the crux of it, he says, is that I need to believe that I am not in control. I need to believe that not only am I not in control and that something will forgive me, but that something is on my side. And that's the story we find in Jesus. Jesus who comes this morning in the gospel reading and sees the people who are so broken down, who are so frustrated, who are so hurt with life that they are willing to grasp at anything and Jesus has compassion upon them. Jesus is the one who saves. Jesus is the one who gives grace. Jesus is the one who is with us. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more, go to ChristChurchTulsa.org. And peace be with you.